Hey there. Welcome to the Clapped Out Moto Hour. Today on the show, we've got Robert. Hey. Big Danny. Hello. Hey. Little Danny. <laughs> and joining us all the way from just south of Toto Santos, Pescaderos in Baja, California, it's Lars. Hi. Hey. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. How's everything down there? It's uh, pretty great. Yeah. yeah, it's always great down there. That's pretty great. Yeah, it's um, it's been nice. Oh, like ahead. we've just been, I've just been kind of hanging out here. The waves, the, the south swells coming in. The whales just left, so a lot of the tourists are kind of piecing out, which is nice. Nice. And uh, and now the swell has moved, and so everybody's kind of like going down to East Cape and Nine Palms and surfing down there. And then, you know, it's about to get super hot, so I'm just enjoying. The fact that it's actually kind of cold here in the winter. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's starting to cool down. And you you surf, right? I, I started. Nice. Um, That's a place to start. I was going to say, yeah, you kind of have to if you're going to be. Yeah, right. Yeah, there's nothing else to do. <laughs> like, you're like you're you're like you're like okay like I'm what a problem to have <laughs> right like yeah. you're like you're like <laughs> well it's like there aren't like nightclubs or anything i mean i mean there are in cabo but you want to you don't you know if you want to get like roofied and robbed you can you yeah, yeah not, the, not the kind you want to go to <laughs> yeah or, you know like everybody's like i think my, my favorite thing my buddy does is he uh people come up and they try to sell you drugs and he's like do you have any heroin Damn. and they're like they're like <laughs> right off the bat they're like, not on me but let me see if i can get some <laughs> Oh <laughs> <laughs> and you're like no like we don't actually want it we're just fucking with you sorry yeah <laughs> you're like, you're five minutes later quick. they're like hey 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 i got yeah. that heroin we got you <laughs> they're like yo we, you owe me. we found some heroin and you're like yeah. great great uh great. i'm not interested yeah. actually another guy came up and he, he sold me yeah we're just i think we're just gonna get some tea instead that's awesome actually on a cleanse yeah, <laughs> juice cleanse. So how long? How long have you been down in Baja? I've been here since um, since November tenth. Oh, nice! Is when I crossed the border, and then I've been down here since like November tenth, and then I uh, I had to swing up to Washington for five days, and I just got back from Washington, so I, I renewed my visa, which was mm. good. Because one one big thing is if your your insurance only works if you have a, a valid tourist permit. Mm-hmm. But you can easily get a new tourist permit when the old one expires by just going to Cabo, pretending like you lost your tourist permit, paying the $30 fine, getting on a plane, leaving the country for 24 hours, and then flying mm-hmm. right back. Right. Yeah. Yeah, right. I know a lot so of Canadians do that. That's kind of the classic Canadian trick. Visa run, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> good old visa run. Well, yeah. I, yeah. Well, yeah, I want to get into it. I want to talk a little more, but I should say first, we're talking this week. We're going to get the Baja report from Lars, Lars, excuse me, which is going to be awesome. Um, we're also going to talk a little bit about motor camping. And Lars, I'm sure you've gotten a little bit of time down there to camp. It's an awesome place. You found any good spots? Yeah, it's been great. I mean, the first the first two months I was down here, I was pretty much entirely living out of my tent. Yeah. Um, so so I started I started up in San Felipe and then I was just kind of camping in like little like spots in town in San Felipe. And then I just started heading South towards La Paz. I think my favorite spot so far was Coco's beach camp. Yeah. Which was awesome. Solid. But then like, I mean, I started like one of the things that was really cool is like, this is one of the only places in Mexico where you can really like just camp kind of wherever and it's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so there's a lot of different vibes. Like you can camp out by yourself in a lot of spots. You just find them on iOverlander and it's totally cool. But then mm-hmm. out by Nine Palms, like you'll post up and there's, you know, there's people around. Like there's a lot of people from Chihuahua that'll like, just like come up and they'll be like, yo, what's up? Like, like I think my favorite thing was like I was, I went out to Las Palmas or I went out to Cabo Pumo with this Argentine girl and I was supposed to meet her out there with these two people and I was like, hey, like, um, we need to make a plan about where we're going to meet because we're going to a really remote zone and it's going to be impossible for us to find each other out there if we don't all have an agreed upon spot where we're going to meet and then probably like a second spot where we could meet if that spot doesn't work out. And so that just never happens. So then I, it's like, I get out there, I'm in Cabo Pulmo. At this point, I don't have a lot of experience riding a heavy bike in the sand, so I just eat shit. <laughs> like I just, I crash. Like I crash so hard. I, I go flying off my bike. Like luckily, I was in, I was wearing all my gear, so like everything was fine. But I go flying off my bike. Like, like the handguard breaks off. My indicator's busted. Like I'm exhausted. The sun's going down. I'm having a terrible day. So I'm just like, fine, whatever. So I just like get on the main road. I just like rip all the way down to nine palms and then now at this point it's like after dark i've also got like a pair of like i've got these like hide and out tires that have completely squared off so they're just bald like basically i've got like (laughs) basically i'm like riding in the sand on a squared off car tire that gets no traction so like i go down to the beach and i just get like i bury the bike all the way down to the panniers the thing's just it's just completely stuck and then this guy just walks up he's like what's up man like, are you okay? And I was like, I mean, yeah, more or less. And he's like, yo, like, let me get you out. So he like pulls me out and then we like, and then he's like, yo, come party with us. And I was like, hell yeah. So then like I roll up and he's like, it's just like these two dudes and like their wives are there and there's like another girl there and their kids are there and they've got like just a pile of ribeye steaks <laughs> and they're yeah. just grilling the steaks. And then we just start like drinking and grilling and drinking and grilling. And then we were just, we were just hanging out all night. And then I woke up and like the sun came up. It was great. We got. We had. Yeah. We had to get oh, the bike yeah. unstuck again. It was. It was. It was. <laughs> it turned into like a really good in. weekend. And I was like, yeah, I'm so that glad is, I got lost. <laughs> that is truly the most quintessential Baja story. We. I know Robert and I yeah. both have stories that are very similar to that one. So yeah, I mean, we're gonna talk. That was awesome. We're gonna talk more about Moto Camping. We're gonna talk about stuff that we found that works. We're also gonna talk, obviously, Baja. We're gonna talk some stories. We'll see if this episode doesn't just turn into all Baja because that's definitely tempting. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. first of all, yeah. what we usually do, the, what we usually head up the the podcast with is we talk a little bit about what uh, we've been working on kind of this week. So I'm just gonna do a quick rundown because you know we got some interesting topics to to tackle here. But Danny, what's been on the um, bench for you, Little Danny? So I picked up, unexpectedly picked up a, a cylinder kit for that um pookie 50 that i've been rebuilding um i went to a motorcycle shop to buy some new grips and then guy's like oh like what kind of bike do you have and i was like oh it's a moped and he's like i've got this like is it worth anything to you i was like i mean like <laughs> yeah i could do something with it he's like just take it i'm never gonna list it on ebay <laughs> like, yeah like it's worth yeah. enough for me to take it <laughs> you'll never um, have to worry but, about it yeah that's i mean that's like kind of on the bench but Mostly, uh, I, nice. I picked up a 1980 General Five Star moped that was in like pristine condition. So literally, all I did to, was swap out the um, the filter on the carb because it was leaking to a spare that I had, and it's For sure. riding great. We went camping in Joshua Tree this weekend, took the mopeds, 
rode the the park roads. So just kind of got to rip around and see some see some nice sights. It's cool. Yeah, nice. Sounds fun. Daniel, you got started on that top end yet? Yeah, totally. <laughs> how's, your, how's your broken hand doing? Um, much yeah, better actually. Hand, hand I'm update. in a position now where I can actually like use. I can I can WASD so I can be a real gamer. You're boy. back in. So yeah, you can yeah, game. yeah. You're back in um, the game. Still not. I still can't clip my fingernails. Uh, so the other hands for oh, do that still. Yeah, uh, yeah right. Well, yeah, right. I got to put it on my. That's what your feet are for. I got to use. I got to cut these ones too. <laughs> um, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, no, it's healing, it's healing just fine. I actually have a, um, I have an appointment tomorrow to see more about like how it's healing and how much longer I'll have to like worry about it and whatnot. Um, and then like when I go back, Dan- to I thought you were going to say you had an appointment to yeah. get Daniel, those clips. Daniel, totally. <laughs> <laughs> hey, even better. Even I actually have nurse. a roommate too. Dan- Daniel, I, I Daniel, totally. To Daniel totally ate it while we took him down Oregon's Eastern Oregon's most dangerous yeah, off-road trails. Dangerous. Oh man! Most, yeah, tried to most tried dangerous to jump green ravine. trail. Man, I have done the ravine didn't make I it. I have put uh, probably two thousand miles. No, more than that. Like twenty five hundred miles on that XR since I bought it in April of last year, which isn't a ton, but most of that was dirt. Um, yeah. And I, 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 bear, I mean, I've wrecked like a couple times, like over in Tillamook. Uh, and Jordan and I did a thousand mile trip in uh, um, to Missoula and back, and I dropped it once mm-hmm. in a sandy corner while he was working yep. on trying to get his bike started. Uh, had no problems, and I went up some insane stuff on that thing, and <laughs> was totally fine. And yeah, yep. and then I, I, I put. <laughs> I he go follow, to he followed me. And, he yep. followed me for five minutes. It's and five minutes, literally five minutes. <laughs> yeah. That's all it takes with me. Man. It only takes five minutes to tried get to, seriously. He tried to jump a ditch, and it it didn't work. The ditch. The thing him. is that I keep the going, going back to people keep saying he tried to do this. He tried to. I didn't try. I didn't see the ditch, and I wasn't paying <laughs> yeah. attention. I just didn't see it. <laughs> it's, it's just like better. That's how, that's it's how just, it gets you. It's like it's like it's like when things are super gnarly. You're like, yeah, man, like it's crazy. Like we're gonna pay attention, and then and then you relax. Yep. yep. And then like, and then you're like, oh, I'll just go around this corner. And you're like, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, the way it, you know the way it was, was like, <laughs> way, like you come down this mountain or you come down the hillside, and then there's like this V cut out where like the trail, yeah. like you're you're like this is shrubs right here. This whole section is shrubs, and then the trail kind of just like goes around it, and then it goes back up the hill. So I was like, well, I'm just gonna like just gonna cut through that little set of brush and just go straight up the hill. Like, why hasn't anybody else done that, right? Uh, <laughs> not why. So what is wrong with everyone yeah and robert robert turned hard hard left there and but it, it wasn't it wasn't so obvious that it was in fact because there was a gnarly ditch um it was because i thought he was just following the trail like a good boy and then i come in and get wrecked so yeah. You did, but you know, yeah. like I'm saying, you should definitely upsell it. Like yeah. you'd be like, I tried for the ravine, I tried to jump it, but you know yeah. what? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, almost made it. It. I really did. Yeah. <laughs> right. Sometimes you jump the ravine and sometimes the ravine I mean honestly, had I too. had I anticipated it, I probably could have like done a little bit more. But honestly, if I knew it was there, I wouldn't even have tried that. You made it to the other side. I like yeah. I said, I think the you bike should, was on the other side and so was I. I think truly it was all right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Robert. What's on your bench this weekend? Same stuff. I, nothing's changed. I've just been working. Uh, yeah, that's it. So I, I got your a, lug of a. I got your lug of an XR over here. Robert picked up an XR four hundred up here. I do. Yes, here. I did. And it's just rotten in my shed. It wants to be ridden out. In the I got like the the there. ultimate the ultimate like Baja Southern California desert bike. It's a 
Franken Franken XR four hundred um, that had been rallied. It's got like a TRX uh, electric like E start bottom end quad it's, bottom end yeah quad yeah. bottom end uh, CRF forks and rear suspension. It's got That's mounts sick. for a, a fairing, all kinds of like goofies. I'm super excited, but I've only been able to ride it like briefly in Oregon for like a day because I got it up there from a guy on a uh, not. PNW Dual Sport. It was on the dirt bag. Dirt bags. P- PDX dirt bags. Yeah. Shout out okay. to PDX dirt bags. If anyone's listening, um, thank you for yeah. scoring Robert a sweet XR. Someday I'll get it back down and I can actually ride it. Thanks, Paul. Sweet. Yeah, you'll get it there. In the meantime, I roll it in. I roll it I out. It, it gets well seat. cared for. I it, gets to, it gets some sun. I start it once in a while. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. It'll get it eventually. But And then I've I've just been getting my got my engine in, engines in the frame. Okay, cylinder is assembled. Yeah, you're actually doing work. The woods bike, the woods bike is going to ride very soon. Is that the a, weather is getting a lot better. Is that a beach cruiser? <laughs> no, it could be. Hey, you know what? With a paddle tire, with Ooh, a paddle, paddle tire, it, it totally be, yeah. could be. Yeah. yeah. No, it is not. It is a 1994 uh, WR250. So it's like a oh, high Z250. Sweet. Yeah. But it's got the wide ratio and the 18 inch rear. Nice. I picked it up and I basically did like a full strip down, cleaned it. Uh, greased all the linkage got it really needed the linkage really need to be polished and greased and then uh, I thought I was going to rebuild the top end but the piston is great I just polished up the piston this weekend uh, put it back in you it, know, had a, it had a bad reed spec. block right like that was what it, it had a bad, was bad was the problem it had a bad reed cage yeah I put a new carb on it uh, and it's it's ready to rip I think I'm going to have it done this week because I've got I've got one all the rest of the parts came in and it's it's ready to go so it's going to be my little woods bike Nice. Um, and then I did a clutch on the WR450 today. Uh, that was interesting. It's a recluse. It was my first time tearing apart a recluse and auto clutch and figuring out how the hell those things work. Uh, but got new friction plates in it and took it up to go ride some single track at sunset, which was just fucking awesome right outside of town here in Legrand. And it was a good time. I'm wondering, Lars, what what have you been working on? How's that? You, you got an Africa twin, right? I do. Um, how's that been? The twin's been pretty great. Uh, you know, I think, yeah, most, a lot of people don't ride those bikes a lot. Like it seems like, like, like people buy them and then they just sort of sit around. Mm -hmm. Um, They're great for going to Starbucks. They are, but they can also, (laughs) they can also, yeah, like they, like that's what happened. But like, I mean, that's kind of how I got mine is it seems like a lot of guys will buy these big adventure bikes and then they'll kit them out and then Mm -hmm. they get scared. And then they mm-hmm. trade them into Harley dealerships for Road Kings, <laughs> and then and then you can and then you can go to the Harley dealership and you can get them at like a six or seven thousand dollar discount with everything you need already on the bike. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So that's how I got mine. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, and the twins the twins been sick. I mean, like it it's definitely heavy, and it definitely blew a fork seal at twenty five thousand k. Ooh. Or That's at not 20, too bad. Yeah, it, it the fork seal exploded all over the brakes. Um, <laughs> That's it's why you want the fork oils to be exactly. On your brakes. That's the perfect. Loop That's the perfect. Down. The perfect spot for fork oil. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I also I also rode thirty thousand miles this year on the factory chain. Hell yeah! Um, so it, it lasted. It lasted. It didn't. It didn't break. But I finally got it changed. Well, I changed it like two weeks ago. Um, and so the twin has been pretty great. Like I do, I do as much of the maintenance as I can, but I, I mm-hmm. like, I don't have a shop with me. So certain things I don't yeah. carry with me. Like I don't have a chain riveting tool. I don't have fork seal drivers. 
I don't right. have a lot of the things that you need. I do carry a torque wrench, which is a real point of debate for a lot of people Damn. that I ride with. That's but respectable. I man, if I've got a flat tire, like fuck it, dude. I want to get the back. I want to get that rear nut off, nice and easy. Mm-hmm, like yeah. life is already hard enough. Like <laughs> you know, I just it's nice to just have three feet have of leverage. leverage, and it also works really well as a weapon. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so like you know, it's it's very intimidating. Um, have, the, have they stopped you at the military checkpoints and been like, the fuck is this? Not a single time. I did. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did get rid of all of my hits of acid and my knife. Yeah. Before yeah. I crossed the border. Right. Because um, that's I, I've always been dicey bringing my knives. I've, we can talk about it when we talk about Baja, but I've always been like, should I it just not seem, bring my knife? And I'm like, it's eh, just one I'll more thing. It. It's one more thing right. that could potentially cause a problem. I bury it when I cross there. Yeah. I like deep, deep. Yeah. I like put it in yeah. a toolbox, like way deep, deep, deep down. But yeah, I've always been on that fence because I have a, a pocket knife I really like, but it's expensive. I'm like, eh. yeah. Well, it, it just yeah. becomes the question. It's like, it's like, do I want, because like I like having, like I usually ride with a K bar knife because it's, mm-hmm. it's just nice mm-hmm. having a big, huge knife for like, you know. It's good utility knife. Yeah. It's like if you want to make kenneling or if you want to like, right. you know, like pop zip ties off of something or like just use a knife for knife things. But it's also like one other thing that like, if you get stopped by a crooked cop, they're going to look through your stuff and they're going to be like, what's this? Like yeah. now you need to give me right. $200 if we're going to arrest yeah. you. Yeah. And, and we're like, going to take it anyway. Yeah. And they're going to take it anyway. But, um, we did figure out the secret sauce for dealing with, yeah. for dealing with corrupt police in Mexico. Yeah. Let's just transition right into yeah. it. Everyone, anyone who's been, so we're going to talk the Baja report, Lawrence. Yeah. You're going to give us the Baja report. We're going to talk about it. And everyone knows Mordida, right? Everyone knows the bribe, what's happening. So have you gotten bit by the Mordida? A couple times. A couple times. But Damn. but we figured out how to how to deal with it. So um, you can go on to a website and you can order cheap Chinese fake IDs. They're about $10 each. So you just get 10 or 12 yeah. fake copies of your driver's license printed out. You... You stash those back boy, bad boys underneath your seat with your real driver's license, and then you keep the fake driver's license in your wallet. And then when the cops come, because what they the yeah. way they screw you is they know that you don't want to deal with like the the bureaucracy down at the station if they actually take your driver's license. So you just right. say so they're going to stop you. They're going to be like, well, you could give me, you know, thirteen hundred pesos, and this problem's going to go away. Or I could take your driver's license, and then we have to go to the station, and you're going to have to deal with that. And you're like, okay, yeah, well, I, we yeah, let's have, do, have been have had that conversation, right? So you're just saying, and I guess we should, yeah. I guess we should rewind just a little bit in case uh, people are listening don't know the mordida is a really classic uh, bribe situation where it's not usually estados, the state police, and it's not usually federales, the federal police, but rather it's the municipal it's the police, local so like your local yeah, local, your guys. local guy. What they yeah. do is they're very, uh, let's say, a very ragtag bunch. And they'll often try to find gringos and stuff who uh, break the law. And it's usually like a really tiny infraction or it's no infraction at all. And they just feel like pulling you over. And what they'll try to do is extort usually a little bit of money, although I've heard some pretty crazy stories recently uh, about large sums of money. And what they'll do is they'll take your driver's license, hold on to it and say, well, you got to, you know, you can go down to the station next Tuesday at three o'clock or you can pay me X amount of money now. So where, where did that happen to you, Lars? That happened to me in Los Cabos. Mm. Um, Interesting. I made a U-turn. And, you know, I was technically in the wrong. I guess there was a sign that said not to make a U-turn. I didn't see it. But I was out 
50 bucks. Wasn't the end of the world, but uh okay. but that guy just sits there all day just waiting for mm-hmm. people to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh was he was he on like in like a Honda Civic? He was like, on foot. Lights taped up. <laughs> oh, bro, oh, really? damn. Yeah, he got you he, on foot. He like, he like but he was a big guy. He like he ran in front of me and he stopped me and, and I was like trying to be polite, so I was just like, oh, "Okay, man. I'll stop." And I guess I mean, I shouldn't have done that. But uh so, yeah. but so what we what yeah. we've all figured out is that if you just carry the fake IDs. Yeah, that's the move. You just give them the fake ID and then and then you're like, okay, I'll I'll see you at the station. The fake ID is ten bucks. And it's it's honestly right. it's just the principle of the thing. So right. like uh cause you cause like everybody's like because everybody down here especially is like, don't pay them. You're just encouraging them to continue screwing people over. But then you're also right. like, well, I don't want to deal with like the bureaucracy of a Mexican police station, it's going to take right. all day. It's going to yeah, be the a reality huge pain of the it ass. is still like, I still have to fucking deal with it. Yeah. So the solution is to just, if they're being shifty, then you can just be shifty too. Right. So like, uh, so just throw them the fake ID and then you're out one, they're $10. And yeah. then if they want to, you know, and then, you know, you can even put like a clever name on there, like use a <laughs> or whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, and then they just take that and then it just it just stays in the police station and nobody hears anything about it you you pull away you rock it away yeah and then he looks at the at the id and he's like this guy's name isn't pendejo jones (laughs) (laughs) wait a minute and then it's then it's better for everyone like you don't have to deal with horrible bureaucracy you're not encouraging corruption in, in the police force and uh, you just get to continue on your merry way, and, and, and yeah. hopefully you learn your lesson about making U-turns in Mexico, which is a big no-no. Robert and I <laughs> yeah. have definitely gotten burned. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The one time we did make an illegal U-turn, and they just flashed the lights, and we're like, "Don't do that again." Oh, good we're for like, you. Okay, but the we time, did yeah. get burned. The time we However, got- I'll, I'll tell you really quick, listeners at home. Uh, AAA issues an international driver's license for ten dollars. You can it's, get it any of the last AAA time I got it was thirty-three dollars. Ooh. international driver's license yeah. in air quotes it's very not a thing but it's probably just for that yeah we got yeah man got people must have figured this in, out a long time ago right right yeah i think so yeah we, a similar thing we were in la paz and we were i think it was the last day we were there we were leaving the hotel that we were staying in and it was like up it was we were we were literally like two buildings down from the intersection and so we turned up the street to turn right on the intersection up a one yeah. way, the wrong but we way. turned up the wrong way on a one way and it was i think we were on, we were on the street for like maybe 20 feet until we turned and that we happened to have two cops on ninja 250s with flat tires yes <laughs> no so, so they pulled yeah. it in, and then we went through the whole thing and had to find yeah. the alley we to get paid. Yeah. yeah, the second. So we paid. No one the told last us about the IDs. The last time I was in Baja, I I just bullshitted my way out of it by pretending I didn't speak any Spanish yeah. at all, and basically just got into a frustrating like, I don't know what you're. I don't no comprendo. Like just really bad. Right. Like I didn't know what was happening. No and fumar espanol. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I mean, yeah, that's a classic, classic first tip for Baja: yeah. bring a fake driver's license just so you can pass it off. Right. But uh, tell me, just kind of generally about the trip. So where did you cross? Is this uh, is this your first time going down? Have you been down before? What some of the highlights are? Just kind of want to hear the yeah so far trip so far. I um I had never been. So I, I mostly like I I mostly rode in Asia before I was here. So I'd been riding in Vietnam and Cambodia and Laos. We, we got to talk time. about that so, at some point. <laughs> yeah, we just did a show about Vietnam. Oh, uh, Danny's ridden in Vietnam as well. Oh, sorry. 
I'll see you later. Uh, sorry, I'm saying goodbye to friend. <laughs> no worries. No, you're nah, fine. Nah, all good. Yeah. You're good. Goodbye, bye. Are you okay? Do you know later? I'll see you later. Adios. Mañana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, um, no. So, uh, where were we? Where'd you Where'd you come in the first? Time? Yeah. So, so I crossed the border in Mexicali. So I was I was kind of heading south through. That's because on your advice, Jordan, it was actually good. Yeah. So so I Tijuana. Have you been through Tijuana no. yet? No. It, it's worth seeing and like hanging out. When I was yeah. a kid, we used to cross yeah. a lot. It is a mess oh for God. crossing. It is rough. They're is they're working bad. on yeah. opening a a third border crossing. Uh, by like twenty twenty four. That's but good. If you're if you're if you're going <laughs> to cross that area, I would just go to Tecate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, and Tecate is pretty good too. Mexicali, like it was, it was just about the easiest international border crossing I've ever done anywhere in the world. Yeah. Like, totally. um, yeah. like honestly, honestly, they were irritated that I was waiting. Like, so, like I, I pulled up to the stop. <laughs> the light turns green. The guy's standing mm-hmm. there, and I'm like, "Is it okay for me to go?" And he was like, "Go, get out of the way, <laughs> get out of Leave. here, yeah. just go to Mexico. Yeah. Why are you still here?" And I was like, "Okay, great." And then, and like I, at this point, I knew nothing. Like I didn't know how to get gas. I didn't speak any Spanish. Um, I didn't know numbers. I didn't know the word for gas. So I just kind of like, like I was low on fuel. So I just kind of like pull up to like a little thing and like the guy, like, you know, it's like, cause there's a classic trick where like you go to the gas station and they charge you like an extra 40 pesos or whatever. So the guy's just like, he's like, look at the gas, look at the gas, look at the gas. And I'm like, okay, yes. And then, so he just fills up the tank and then I, and then I, I just jump on the highway and I start cranking and I'm going about 90 miles an hour. And I realize the other thing that people do on the Mexican highway is that they flash their lights at you whenever there's danger ahead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'm going about 90 down the highway and then a car comes the opposite direction and they just flash their lights three times at me. And people used to do that in Vietnam too. So I was like, okay, there must be something wrong. So I slow down and then I go around a corner and luckily I slowed down because there was a sand dune in the middle of the highway. And then there were, <laughs> there were three cars piled up on the opposite side Holy shit. and like an ambulance and everything. So I was like, okay, I guess that's what that means. Which was your um, chance to hit the dune, jump yeah. right three cars. Yeah. And you know, I, I tried to do that, but it just there was <laughs> you know that's when you blew the fork seal. Yeah, that was when I blew <laughs> the, the fork seal. And, and you know, it's just you know, I, I still didn't know how to jump back then. <laughs> well it's a heavy bike. So. It actually but it, it actually it actually it jumps pretty well. I have to say, I've like, seen I've seen some videos of people doing crazy shit on Africa Twins. Yeah, like once once you get it's airborne, awesome. it's it's it's, yeah. it's remarkably balanced. Like like as long as you as long as you hit it right, like it'll 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 pop off, and then it just kind of it's got so much momentum. It's like mm-hmm. it's like it's just like a seven forty seven. It just goes like boom. <laughs> once it's there, yeah. And then you kind of hit the ground, There's, and the suspension's so soft that you just kind of go like right. 
those and those then, Honda engineers knew they were like people are going to be hitting the tracks with this thing, so we better sure. make the suspension pretty yeah. good. Like the thing. So you yeah. were heading, you were headed to San Felipe. I know that highway, and there's a it's a real it's a pretty long stretch, and it's kind of a cool first introduction to Baja because it's like desert. There's dunes around, and like it's it's pretty neat. Yeah. So where did you head from there? What was your kind of what's what's been your travels down there so, so far? So from like? San Felipe, I headed uh, over to Bahia to California. And, um, and then I was going to follow that track that you told me about out to that ranch, but this was back yeah, in November spotless. and a lot of stuff was shut down. Mm, right. So, so I was, I was trying to hit the, sh- the, hit the hot springs and I was trying to hit like a couple other different spots, but like a lot of the places I was going to, they were just like Cerrado, 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 mm-hmm. or like they're like, like they're like nothing. Um, there was like caution tape up everywhere. So I went to Bahia de Los Angeles and I stayed at the Princess Biker Hotel and then there's no there's no ATM there. So I kind of like went back towards the highway and then headed down towards Cuero Negro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I stopped there and then I got to look at a map here. This was so long ago. Yeah, Guerrero yeah. Negro, you kind of head out and then you head to San Ignacio from there. Yeah, and then, I, and then I stayed in San Ignacio and then I ran into a bunch of other adventure bikers in San Ignacio. Nice. Um, San Ignacio is a cool town. And then I went from San Ignacio yeah. over to Mulahe. Yeah, nice. And then I went from Mulahe. That's a fun. Did you get to pass any uh, to semi trucks on the way on that mountain road down to, um, gosh, what is that town called at the bottom? It's it's slipping my mind right now. With the Eiffel, uh, it's the, the church that Gustavo Eiffel designed. Uh, Santa Rosalia, that, yeah. that mountain pass that goes down. Did you have any hairy encounters on that? It's extremely yes. gnarly. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, Santa Rosalia is something. Yeah, that is. Yeah, it, it, that is extremely extreme. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. It's like a two lane. It's really fun to ride. But there are just like semis ripping through there. Yeah. Well, and, it, it, and I've had some pretty dicey encounters just in that area. Yeah. Well, and, it, and it's one of those things where it's like it's like there are so many good twisty roads in Baja, but you have to be really careful about what days you ride them and like when you're riding yeah. them. Cause, cause the, cause the trucks, they, cause they aren't like, like that's the interstate. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, like, like all of the trade that's going by land in between Tijuana and Los Cabos is all going down that road mm-hmm. through that pass. So like, uh, and the, those truckers are all on meth and have been up for yes. two or three days and are all, all overloaded and are yeah. All, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. And like, the trick is, it's like when you see a truck that's got two license plates on it, that means that it's crossing between mm-hmm. the U.S. and Mexico. So it's got a, it's got a, it's, it, that means that it's been in the U.S. and it's probably been weighed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then the other ones that you got to watch out for is like sometimes you'll get behind these trucks and they're just full of like loose plastic bags. Oh, yeah. So it's like, it's like, I guess like, like the, you know, like the, the packing tape that you use to wrap pallets, mm-hmm. yes. like beer pallets. So like that will just get cut and then there'll just be these trucks that are full of loose packing tape. So if you get stuck behind one of those, the packing tape will fly out of the truck and it'll go into your wheel and it'll lock up mm-hmm. your wheel. No. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so, so you'll be going around a corner and you'll see some of that in the road. And then you're like, oh, my wheel's about to lock up as soon as I hit that. So then you're like, okay, just stay calm. Like try to slow down, yeah. be ready for the fact that that's about to happen. Right. Um, and then just like, you know, steer into the skid and then, you know, Pull over onto the side of the road, throw a center stand on. You don't have a knife because you can't bring a knife. Get your pliers <laughs> out and start pulling it out piece by piece. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, there's always but, something unexpected on every stretch of the journey down there. But that's what, what makes what it so much fun. Hay? Yeah, Mulahay is kind of one of my my favorite places down there. What did, what did you think of it? I loved Mulahay. Um, I had a good time in Mulahay. Like I, uh, so I, I I was gonna stay the night in Mulahay. I found like an Airbnb, but the directions of the Airbnb didn't the Airbnb didn't make any sense. So I kind of stopped and I got lunch, and then uh, couldn't find this place to stay. And so I was like, all right, I've got another hour of sunset. So I just headed south towards uh, towards Playa El Burro. Mm-hmm. And then I just popped off at Coco's Beach Camp and spent a couple nights there. Yeah, those are it was great. Yeah, when you're saying you, you mentioned Coco's early before, I think before we started the show. And that's awesome. That that stretch is just unbelievable. I've camped on that that's, side. Yeah. I've camped on the other side of the bay. That's one of the best coast roads in the world. Yeah. amazing yeah, yeah it's great it's, just in general like that part of Baja too because it's like when you come i feel like up until santa rosalia it's very like you're in the desert you're in the desert you're in the desert and you hit like yeah. mulahe and like san ignacio too and kind of once you get that point it's like oh it's, it's different it's green and there's yeah. like a river and there's like i don't oh, know it shit. just feels very different the coast feels different from that point down and you, yeah, the oasis yeah. is super cool. You could like taste it in the air. I mean, it, it was mm-hmm. so it was so intense, like just coming because because especially because there's there's just no gas and there's yeah. no water and there's nothing. And you're just kind of riding for hour after hour after hour in this like hot Baja sun. And then you just roll into San Ignacio and yeah. you can like you can like feel the the moisture in the air. Mm-hmm. You're just like, ah. Yeah. Life is possible. Here. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Even just like, I think it was coming into San Ignacio where it's yeah. like you're coming on that road where you like kind of crest the hill to come before you start coming back down. And all of a sudden it's like you go from desert to like there's palm trees out there and you're like, what the yeah. fuck just happened? Yeah. It's like cows yeah. in the middle of the road and you're just like, oh. Mm. And it just feels cows. like fresh and green and, yeah. and cows. <laughs> cows everywhere. <laughs> cows. Fucking cows. Uh, <laughs> so you went from so you went from Mulahe and then Mulahe south of there is Loretto and what that stretch was pretty cool too. That stretch was amazing. Uh, and then yeah, and then I that's I posted up last in February I got I got picked up on the way because I ran out of gas between Mulahe and Loretto and I got picked up by a couple of fishermen who put their my truck in the back of their like freezer <laughs> van <laughs> and they like took me to Loretto and that's great. It was a it's a long story, but they ended up letting me stay with them and like. You know, we we like ate food and we got trashed and talked about Elton John all night. They like bought my motel and everything. And I just think, you know, like you were saying on the sand, you know, you meet that people and it's always really unexpected. But then you meet people down there and it's just like stuff just works out. And I think Mm -hmm. there's always that point in the night where you're like, dang, this totally worked out, even though uh, it wasn't what I planned. You know, no, it's the best. (laughs) And I think it's like one of those things that I really like about traveling on the bike is like you you kind of have to rely on people because mm-hmm. like you're so exposed motorcycles are not the most they're very fickle there's always going to be yeah. some kind of problem even if it's like a honda or whatever there's going to be issues and so yeah. so and you're you're very unthreatening on a motorcycle totally like you're and you're really you're really exposed too. Yeah. Like you have, you're, you're always in the elements. You're always around other people. It's easy. You don't have to roll down a window to shout at someone or, or to like see what's going on. You're always immersed in it. You get the dust in your goggles. You get like, everything's always happening. It's a really special way uh, to, to travel. You know? I, th- I mean, I For think sure. it's also like, I don't know, to me, it's, 
I also think it's like a different level of commitment. And I think people respond to that too. Like you were saying about being really vulnerable um, or being really exposed or being really dependent on people. It's like, and less threatening. I think it's like, people are like, oh, I better help this guy or he's like, fucked. Um, yeah, but, no. But also like, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, you're I, I think it's like, I do. I think it shows that you're like a different level of commitment to like experiencing it, if that makes yeah. sense. It gives off a very different vibe than if you pull up in like a camper and you're just like, oh, I just need ice for my cooler later. Yeah. You know? <laughs> later. It's like really diving in head first. You know? Yeah. Literally. Totally. You're yeah, like, I'm out so there. You passed Loretto. Did you get to turn down and go to Brenda's at Agua Verde? I haven't been to Agua Verde yet. Gotta do it. I know. That's, I gotta I mean, go. It's a cool beach. I hate so, to spoil it to the to to ruin the spot to the dozens of people who listen to us, but <laughs> Agua Verde is if Mulhe is a really special place yeah. for me because it's really there's a lot of stuff there. It's kind of fun. It's a small small ish town, but there's a nice mix of locals yeah. and people who are traveling through. But Agua Verde is a really naturally speaking a very special special place. It's very very cool, um, and I I have to say you have to see it before you leave. It's it's a in all of my travels through Mexico, it's probably one of those places that holds my heart. Yeah, the most. like uh, it's pretty awesome. It's incredible. When I mean, I, like I've heard so many good stories about it, and like Agua Verde is probably coming up next weekend or the weekend after. Nice. We've nice. been we've been waiting because the the conditions there weren't great. Mm. Yeah. Um, like it it was a pretty cold winter, so yeah. we were dealing with the pinche viento. Mm-hmm. So like um. Mm-hmm. Truly. We were waiting for the winds to die down, and then I think we're going to head up there probably next weekend or the yeah, weekend the, after. The road in is a little – like the road obviously to uh, see that in Sargentes and then you turn yeah. off. It's Those are all really good. Get gas in, in Sargentes when you can because there's pretty rarely gas. Sometimes yeah. they'll sell you a little bit in Agua Verde, but it's mm-hmm. pretty rare. Um, but oh man, the, the road down there is a little bit rough. It's not super it's nice, not but bad. it's not too bad. And it, it's spectacular. You'll want to spend a couple of days there. And last year I went, uh, I really got to hike around a little more and explore the area a little more. And it's, it's rad. But when you get down there, go to Brisas del Mar, the little hut that's down there. Talk to Brenda. Okay. She'll, she'll bring you fresh goat milk. It's, it's legit. It's legit. It's one of the, I think one of the best places in the world, but you know. I'm no, I think, I think you are, you are definitely not alone. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah it's special. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things that, about Baja is like the the distances are vast. Mm-hmm. So so like um, it, things are very far away from one another. So from where I'm at up to Agua Verde is like a six or seven hour ride. Yeah. Right. Um, but it's like it's like it's it's totally worth it. Like we we went up to Scorpion Bay to catch a south swell just up to San Juanico mm-hmm. a while ago because the, nice. the South Swell's coming in. So we just like rode up there and then rented boards in wetsuits and we were just riding there. But it's like, it's like you'll ride five or six hours down just this desolate, nothing highway. And then you'll turn off and then all of a sudden it's this beautiful twisty that'll turn into just this wonderful two track Jeep trail kind of thing that'll lead to like a little town. And it's just one oh, yeah. cool town after another cool town after another cool town. Totally. Yeah, and what's the what's not to interrupt the the route stuff, but what's the uh, what's the surfing been like while you've been there? The surfing's been good. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. So the water temperature has come up recently. So like it was like it was pretty cold in January, February, and then March has started warming up. Now I guess it's April. So so it's like it's like board short weather now, which is nice. 
Yeah. And uh, most of the most of the spots on the Pacific side are are north swell spots. And then a lot mm-hmm. of spots are south swell spots. So everybody it, it's really funny. There's like a migration that takes place. It's like everybody's at Cerritos or at. um, What's the other? Everybody's at Cerritos Beach or they're at. Not Punta Lobos. Punta Lobos is great. San Pedrito. And then as soon as the south swell comes, everybody leaves San Pedrito and like a big school of fish heads on over to Nine Palms. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I've I've only been to San Juanico once, uh, Scorpion Bay. And, you know, it's like it's if you get there when the swell isn't in, it's like a ghost town. No, there's nobody not, there. There's just yeah. the locals live there. It's dead, which is nice because I got there and the rooms are really cheap. Yeah. And three other people on WR450 showed up, which was really strange. Oh, yeah. I have a picture, but like one guy came from the north. Two guys came from the east, and I came from the south, and we all ended up at the same place, all with WR450s. We're like, what the heck? That's great. I find out it's 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 a pretty popular bike down there. I definitely have seen a lot more now that I look for them. And? But, yeah, I mean, it's – but then when the swell hits, it's like, boom. It, you know, it becomes this, like, boom town of, of people who kind of go there. Yeah, like, people fly in for that wave. Mm-hmm. Like, right. uh, like people, people fly in from all over the world for that wave when it's breaking. So, but one of the things that's nice is you can just look at the surf forecast and you can be like, oh, like, dude, like the South Swell is going to come in for three days. So you're like, okay, like get on the bikes. Like we're going now. And so you're like, okay, like the swell's coming in for three days. Like, and it's not a sure thing whether it's going to happen. So you're chasing the wave. So you're just like, get on the wave. Like go, 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 go. And you like, you ride up there. You don't even know if it's going to be working or not. (laughs) And then you get there and you just kind of hope that it will be. And at this point you've been riding for six or seven hours. Like you're, you're coming over like a hill. You're like, you're like on some dirt road. You're covered in dust. Everything is just, (laughs) that's the, the dust. Yeah, we yep. should we should talk about the dust, especially like especially especially let's lo- talk about long term. Like when you're riding a bike right. down here for four or five months, like like bring a couple air filters, air filters, and I started carrying compressed air and contact cleaner in my top case. Smart. Well, is it, is it yeah. actually, I think it's probably a good little segue, which is because I've, I mean, Jordan and I have both ridden down in Baja, yeah. but never for more than. I don't know what, three weeks, four weeks, I think three weeks. Is yeah. Long as like done, total, yeah. which I feel is, you know, you do run into some of those issues, but you're not running into the same issues as four months. Right. Yeah. Where little things like dust that you're like, Oh, whatever. I'll just like rinse the bike off when I get home. It's like, no, you have to think about it. Yeah. Well, like at, at one point, like I was, I was riding down the highway and my electrical system completely cut out. And so like, yeah, yeah it, like the whole bike shut down and, um, <laughs> And I realized, like, I, I pull onto the side of the road and I'm like, the, the thing's dead. Like, there's no power anywhere. And I'm like, okay, like, either something really serious is going on. It seems like it's a battery issue. But I like, so I, I took like a multimeter and I put it on the battery. I'm like, the battery's charged. Everything's fine. And then I yeah. pulled the battery out and I realized that so much of that really fine Baja dust had gotten mm-hmm. into the battery that it had actually, blo- it was blocking the connections. So I had, so I had to pull the battery out and like, I I just like pulled it out and unscrewed everything. And then just like, I think I had like some water and I just like washed it off with water. And then I was able to like put it back in and keep going. But it was like, it was like, since then I've started like spraying it every week with contact cleaner and compressed air. So that doesn't happen again. Cause it was like a scary moment. I'm like on the highway, there's cars coming up behind me. There's no shoulder. 
And I'm like, uh, this is not good. So this like, is not what I want. I was to like, happen. this is like not what I want to be happening right now. So yeah, like, last year yeah. I took the, the the road down to Temba Beach from Cita Constitution, which is one of the roads I haven't I hadn't done before, and it was awesome. It was a little bit of a gnarly ride, but it was it was amazing. It was a really great, super beautiful ride. Um, but there yeah. were tons. I mean, like. Oh, maybe like six or seven, like solid big washes that I went yeah. through. And so you just had all of that material just kind of like poking through and like destroy, you know, that, that stuff just like kills wheel bearings. Everywhere. Kills mm-hmm. Everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's a really fine. Dust. Yeah. It's like moon dust and yeah. like it yeah. gets, it gets into your air like, filter. It gets in, yeah. it, it gets through your air filter into your engine. And so like, uh, so you gotta like pull the bike apart and blow out the air filters or else you get pot yeah. or else it starts to pot your valves. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so like, that's like what all the old Baja racers are like, they're like, they're like, how's your air filter, man. And you're like, <laughs> you're like, have you checked it? And like, I mean, I met, I met an extremely, extremely intrepid, um, R 1200 R rider who has been ripping through Baja on like basically a European commuter bike with a pair of Scorpion trail tires on it. And like, I mean, so he, he did the road from La Ventana to Los Barriles, which is like an extremely gnarly road. Like I, Mm -hmm. I did that on the twin and it was not easy. I did have, (laughs) I did have a spare tire and a case of beer strapped to the back as I was going uphill and I dropped the bike twice. Yeah, I mean, you know, you never know when you're going to need that stuff. That's right. You know, right. like it's important. So like, so he did it on on the R1200R and he like Jesus. broke his throttle body off. So then like so then I so then he like he calls me and he's like, "Man, there's something wrong with my bike. It's like leaking oil." So like oh, no. I show up to his house and like he's overfilled it and then um, his throttle body's broken, so the boxer engine's running on one cylinder. So he's got right. like he's got like he's got a sideways facing thumper, and yeah, so nice. it's just like so yeah. there's just, there's one balanced. cylinder that's getting air, and then there's one that's get, there's one cylinder that's getting a controlled amount of air, and then there's one that's right. getting all of the air, and so the thing's just like going like as as like I'm revving it up, so like I get under it, I'm like yo man, like I think this is broken i just like like i literally like i just like grabbed like his throttle body out and then like his <laughs> butterfly valve was broken off and like like that yeah. that big air tube that connects like yeah, the yeah, engine yeah, with the on in. the bmws is just like cracked and then like <laughs> i'm like holding his butterfly valve in my hand and i'm like man like i'm like i don't think this bike is meant for this like hang out there like that he got it fixed gonna, but his air filter well his air filter was completely full of dust and i was like dude you should really blow this out or you're gonna have serious problems that aren't parts problems very yeah, soon yeah that's where um, it gets really tricky down there is finding yeah. finding parts can be uh, I know I've talked to you a little bit on Instagram about that. Yeah. Things things it can be really difficult to find uh, even stuff that's pretty common up here, you know. So you you have to kind of when you're planning a trip like that, you have to look think about that, yeah. you know, think about what are these things that are going to be impossible to find that might be break, you know, that might break, but then at the same time you don't really know what's going to happen like a throttle body that's right. not super expected you know so it, it sounds like you went you know you went down the highway you you've you've gone through loretto you've gone through 
Cita and Serenentes and Cita Constitution. And then you've kind of seen La Paz. La Paz is a cool city. Yeah. It's got lots of cool stuff going on. And then you settled uh, near Todos Santos, right? Yeah. South of Todos Santos. So I kind of came through nice. Los Barriles. Like I was just kind of down here. Like I went to Los Barriles and it was just like a lot of gringos with side yeah. by sides doing totally. what they do. And I was like, this sucks. So then I, yeah. I went down to Cabo Puma and then I took that dirt road around Cabo Puma to San Jose and I stayed there for a couple of days. And then I was in Cabo mm-hmm. for like about three hours. Um, yep. And then, uh, <laughs> That's all you can take. Yeah. Then I, I, I like ripped up to Toto Santos and I found this really cool, co- cool hostel. Um, the people that own it now, it's, it's the, um, the Pescadero surf camp. So I just, okay. I posted up there, spent the night and then ended up staying for about, about three weeks. Nice. And then, uh, and then I ended up like getting an apartment here and I've just, I've just been kind of here sort of climatizing, trying to learn Spanish, getting all my paperwork set up with the bike and just sort of like getting everything ready to go to jump on the ferry and start heading south into, into the mainland and then down to, yeah. down to South America. Nice. nice. Very nice. Um, yeah. That's a great way. I, I have to say, um, no, no, not too many spoiler alerts, but you'll find a lot more of those trucks that have the loose, uh, plastic hanging off. That's those are very common. Oh, it's like the worst thing ever. It's like <laughs> there's a lot of that. Yeah, because you're just like you're just like you're just like oh my god. You just you just see it but, happening. You're like oh okay, there goes an hour. There, yeah. There's a lot of really cool stuff as you head down. Yeah. Don't be afraid to go inland because there's so much good stuff in Michoacan and Jalisco that that a lot of people I think skip over. Uh, but Chiapas is really the winner, man. There's so much really cool stuff in southern Mexico. Um, and don't be afraid to go inland a bit. I know there's some yeah. people will say like oh it's really dangerous. I don't know. I don't know, but especially the 199 from San Cristobal over to Palenque. That's a killer road. It is Sweet. one of the best. All that being said, though, I have to say, Ba will always have a special place in my heart because it is just such a magical place where I think a lot of people come together who like a lot of the same stuff and end up really vibing. And you you have, you know, stuff like that happens where people just come up to you and they're like, do you want to just come have some steaks and like hang out? Robert yeah, and I great. got uh, albacore steaks yeah. handed to us and tortillas and tequila, one of our first night staying down there on <laughs> we our don't first have enough years. room left in our cooler here take this yeah okay. so i mean it's a it's a cool place i i think you're gonna have a really great time going forward but i have to say uh baja will always have a very very special place well, and I'm, I'm gonna be I'm sad curious. to leave like like it's but it's one of those things where it's like i, I don't want to be yeah. one of those people that comes down to baja meaning to travel further south and then just stays here right, right. which yeah. which would be really really easy to do because it's like totally. it's like Baja is such an easy place to ride a bike. It's very, yeah. very safe. As long as you're like, as long as you're like, you know, as long as you have like a, a, a good sense of like how to handle yourself in nature, you're mm-hmm. good. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> right. like bring water, you know, in like a tent and stuff and you're fine. But like, uh, I think there's other issues, but like, I'm going to be sad to go. Yeah. So yeah, I was, was kind of yeah. curious because because a couple of us have so Jordan and I have ridden through Baja quite a bit and Danny has ridden through Vietnam quite a bit. Or oh really? Has, it has a, through it Vietnam. was a month. So, so that's, I, that's just like, as a, that's a good amount of time. Yeah, yeah. that's a while. But that's a while, kind of yeah. curious. Dude, what what like, route did you take? Done both. Uh, did you take the Ho Chi Minh Highway? We, we kind of we went inland. So from Ho Chi Minh we went to yeah. Dalat and then down to from Dalat yeah. to Nha Trang and then kind of took the coast for a while. Yeah, sweet. That's a good yeah, route. Like I, I did it. Yeah, I did it a couple times. Vietnam was like, yeah, it, it's different. Like, um, it's also different because I have a different yeah. bike. Mm-hmm. Like, like, uh, like, like here I've got like a 
you know, a big modern touring bike, which is nice. Like I wouldn't want to ride through Baja on an incredibly unreliable 100cc Chinese copy of, of a Honda Wave. That sounds awesome. It sounds awesome, but like, man, like the thing about Vietnam is there's fucking people That's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, like whenever any, like, I think there's, there's one stretch, there's like in all of Vietnam, all of the roads in Vietnam, there's a single stretch of road that's about 140 kilometers long where there aren't like people everywhere. And it's the only stop anywhere I, in Vietnam. I don't so, like, know, man. We, if anything we had happens, pretty, there's always going to be some pretty open you. roads. Yeah, there, really? there wasn't like super crowded. I don't know. Maybe we just got picked a good time or. Like even when we, if you were out on the Ho Chi Minh Highway, even when we hit the High Van Pass, like there was like we had like the perfect experience. There was like barely anyone on the road. It wasn't raining. There was no traffic. Like we got super lucky. Oh no! I mean that's not what I mean. Like what I mean is like there's, but there's even if it's not like people on the road, but there's like. Oh, just people. people. Oh, around. yeah, for sure. If if you if like, you like yeah. broke down or like needed something, like, you could like find in, somebody. Yeah, like in Baja, there's not anybody to help. Yeah. You. Right. So like yeah. so yeah, I, so, like forty miles then, down. Then I a thousand. Yeah. Or, I can like, think. I can yeah. think of. <laughs> yeah, I can think of like forty-eight solid forty-eight hour back in when I went last February. Forty-eight mm-hmm. hour stretches where I saw absolutely no one, yeah. no pescaderos, no other people riding, nothing at nothing. all for which miles. I, th- I mean, miles. I think that's also like yeah. part of the vibe too down there, and why you get those yes. reactions is, which is like when you do see people, especially if you're off like on a dirt road and you run into somebody like on their ranch, and they're just like. What the fuck are you doing here? Yeah, yeah right. What are <laughs> you doing? Yeah, yeah. They're like, do you do you need a place to stay? Yeah, yeah. I I feel like that is comparing Baja to anywhere is tough because it is. I mean, you know, if you if you just look at the numbers of how many people are there and how they're centralized mm-hmm. in the cities, there's just no other place really. In I I don't want to say no other place on earth, but like. Not a lot of places in North America, for sure, that are as isolated, you know, as as a place like Baja is, especially yeah. once you at the very bottom, there's people and at the very top. There's people, but there's like 900 miles of middle where there's just not that many yeah. towns or, or anything. It's like know? Alaska. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. It's, it's very remote. It's very out. And I think that's what makes it really conducive to honestly excellent moto camping. I've had some of the best moto camping experiences uh, in my life down there. And so to kind of change gears a little bit, um, I'm I'm curious to hear like Lars, what has been your revelations about moto camping? Has I, I'm assuming you've moto camped before in other places. It sounds like, but like what have the differences been down there versus other places you've been? And just, you know, what have you found since moto camping around there? I think one of the things that surprised me the most about Baja was how actually similar it is to just BLM land in the U.S. Hmm. I wasn't expecting it. Like, like most places you go in the world, there aren't you can't just camp places like you can't just like camp places in Asia because mm-hmm. there's, yeah, right. there's people around. Like there's problems like you're not allowed to do that. But Baja is just there's just like like Jordan was saying, there's just these like vast tracts of kind of mostly uninhabited land where you can just sort of do your thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what surprised me was actually how similar it was to what I was already used to camping throughout California. Um, But that said, also, I think like, you know, it's, it's also like 
just the um the amount of spots there are like it's mm-hmm. it's just this like it's just like this it it's like disgusting how many good places there are it's ridiculous <laughs> yeah like yeah. just one after another after another after another it, it, especially like if you're especially if you're on a bike and you can get to places that people can't easily get to in like you know class B RVs um <laughs> like like you've got some options open to you that are pretty freaking awesome and I don't even want to say where they are yeah um, yeah, right. Everyone's got their secret spot. Yeah, like <laughs> it's like a crime. But like and that's part of the fun of it too is like is that it's well there is a really good guidebook called Camping Mexico's Baja that I've been using. Like I came yeah. down here and I was like like I like cuz my uh, my mom and her partner like have been camping down here for a long time just in a trailer and they were like you should really check this book out and I was like I don't use guidebooks. Yeah. <laughs> I use my phone. And they were like, they were like, they like, they were like, they were like, nah, trust me, you're going to want this. And so they gave it to me and like, it's, it's sitting on my desk right now. It's like completely worn out. Like every single page has just been like gone over, over and over and over again. Cause you're just like suddenly out in the middle of nowhere and you're like, okay, I kind of know where I am. Then you open the book and you're like, oh, there's like five spots near here. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know at the top of the hour or uh, the top of the show, you mentioned, you know, um, I overlander and I overlander was a game changer in mainland Mexico when I took it's that awesome. trip because I just didn't know anything. And I was like, okay, this is cool. I post on I overlander, but like here in Northeast Oregon, I'll post the like spot that's on the way to the spot. I never post like the things that I'm like, yeah. Oh, this is like my favorite yeah. spot to camp at the river. I'll always be like, there's some good spots around here. Like I try not to say too much on there. So places like that can be a really good guide, but I think you have to really be willing to, you know, get out there and, and explore a little bit to find some of those really, really solid spots, you know? hundred percent. It's like, it's always like, yeah. I think like, um, it's just the same. It's like when I was living in a van for two years, it was like, it was like, you go to this zone, like the, the I overlander spot. It's like, it's like, this is an area where you can camp. Mm-hmm. Right. But like, don't just stop where the pin is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like, like there is unbelievable sickness awaiting you. Yes. If you just like, truly. if you just like, you're like, yo, like there's a road there. Like, like every, like every single, like if there's a road anywhere in Baja, like if, if people have gone to the trouble of building a road, like it goes somewhere. Awesome. Truly. Like you're like, yeah. why is this here? Like it'll either go to somewhere it'll, it like, well, half of them will go to like weird plants that do some kind of like thing. But then the other half of them will yeah, go right. to like really great <laughs> camping spots. Yeah. <laughs> a salt mine. Another fucking yeah. salt mine. Are you kidding me? You're like, this great. Is where they put great. the landfill. Yeah. Great. You're like, oh, we fa- why is there an airport here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite trails. Yeah. I won't give it away because it's one of the truly one of the ones that I want to like hold on to and not let anyone know about. One of my favorite trails in Baja starts at a dump. Like you ride out of a town really? and you get to a dump. It's right on the border between Sur and Norte. And you ride to a dump and it's like, here's a dump. And if you look just the left of the fence line, it, it pokes open and it takes this spectacular trail. Me and Robert have done it. Yeah. Out of, uh, it's near El Arco. We were trying to find it. It was like, is that? It's where are we? Where the fence ends? We just keep going. Okay. Yeah. It's sick. So sometimes you never know. Maybe you take the road that's on the side of the dump. You never know where it goes. But yeah, um, I'm, I'm also kind of curious, like what what has your kit been? Like what are you camping or tenting? Are you hammocking? Like what's your I recently what's your style? So on my most recent supply run, 
back to Washington, I got a brand new pair of Tractionator GPS tires. And then I went to REI and I was like, you know what I really need is a, a chair. Mm. Yeah. Yes. And I got, because I've been sitting on my gas tank and using it as a chair for like <laughs> yeah. about four months now. And I was yes. like, I'm in my 30s. I need a chair. That's right. So I got a chair. But I, I mean, I've been tenting the whole time. Um, I just have like a $100 REI tent that I bought. It's falling apart. The zippers don't work anymore. I get bit by mosquitoes. Yep. Um, I did bring a zero degree sleeping bag with me, which I thought was massive overkill, but it actually was super, super great to have, yeah. uh, especially in January and February. Mm-hmm. I bet. Yeah. yeah. It, gets it gets cold. cold. Yeah. It gets really, really gets cold, cold at night because it's a desert, man. It's freezing. It'll be like 40 degrees some nights, especially up in the mountains. Yeah. yeah so yeah. that was super great to have. Um, and then I just have like my panniers, which are waterproof, which is not important at all here. Um, no, not really. Honestly, like waterproof panniers just means if like a beer breaks open inside of your pannier, like you now have to like dry everything out or it's gonna mold. <laughs> it's kind of annoying. Surprise! Everything smells you can like beer. Drink it from yeah, the right. Panier. Yeah, right. You can like <laughs> not gonna let it, it go out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like, or like, uh, at one point, I like I dropped the bike and there was a there was like a bottle of oil in the pannier, which then opened and then yep. s- deeply soaked everything inside in oil. <laughs> <laughs> which is still in a lot of my stuff. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like. So now now the dust has something to cling to. Well, my uh yeah. my Danny taught me the secret. He was like he was like the way he was like the the secret sauce to carrying oil in the pannier is the pannier has a little waterproof liner so you just open that up and you stick the oil outside mm. of it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dang. Yeah, so that way when you inevitably drop the bike on the oil it just spills out and then <laughs> Your yeah, stuff doesn't yeah. get soaked in it, yeah. Like, yeah, and you can still kind of lose yeah. it, right? You just like you just hold your pannier up and just pour it in, you know, just maybe, exactly. yeah. yeah, it's still good, like, right? It's good. There's a little bit of <laughs> there's a little bit of beer mixed in, yeah, but right? It's all just, good. You know, it's, it's you're good, good for to the go, bike. yeah. Like, you get a coffee like a filter sip. and it'll get most of that out. Golden, yeah, dude. No, it, I mean, how bad can, can it be? The nifty trick that Jordan had on our Missoula trip, where he his exhaust. Uh, burnt a hole, burnt through his uh, side plastic. Oh um, wow! And then began to burn into his uh, Nelson Riggs uh, pannier. Hold on, which he had oh, in a oil can. Not the first pannier no. he's burned through. Oh. Yeah, no. Uh, oh, you have the pannier, probably. I think. Yeah. I was like, I think we committed a felony and left the oil on side. Of it. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, hey. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, on the show. They'll um, come after you, man. It, They'll yeah, get you. Right. Yeah. The um. But yeah, we're riding. We're riding up Hell's Canyon, and I'm like. We're like ripping through, like hitting some, you know, hitting some corners and stuff, and all of a sudden I start seeing the smoke come from Jordan's bike, and I'm like, "What is that?" Like, I thought my bike's the one that smoked, and I'm like, "What is that?" And then I so I start I realize I'm like, "Oh crap, that's like really gnarly smoke," and he's got a gas can on the back too, so I oh, I, mean, Jesus I, I drop it down and I start I haul ass to get up to him. And I start honking at him. He's like, what do you do? I'm honking at him. I'm like, pull over, pull over. And finally he pulls over. We get over and he's like, like literally like damn near in flames, the rear of his bike. <laughs> and know. we're like, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> it was pretty bad. bad. That um, is not yeah, oil, oil started I'm, leaking. I'm inclined to believe place, Daniel like, Jordan. <laughs> um, oh, come on. And, uh, I was, yeah, I, I was, we like immediately grabbed the, the gas off and it was a whole thing. I was oh just. My God. I was just poking around my shop because I just showed it to the neighbor kid. I was like, yeah, sometimes when you're on a motor trip, stuff happens. And I had like the melted plastic yeah. and I was like, check this out. <laughs> so 
I can't find it, but it's it's around here somewhere. Oh I my keep God. it on the mementos table. But yeah, you know, sometimes wild stuff like that happens. Daniel, I'm kind of curious. I've dragged you along on you some of your best huh. moto camping trips. What uh, what what have you learned? Um, I mean, just in general, what's your kit been like? What so what have you learned while moto camping? With my the biggest thing, I was kind of giving this some thought earlier because there's like, you know, there's some things you can skimp on. There's some things you shouldn't. Um, hmm. The thing you should never skimp on, do not ever skimp on, are uh, your tie down. I learned yeah. that from yeah. my first trip. I bought some crappy, just like backpack style, like clip straps that like yeah. seemed pretty sturdy, but then when you're putting you know, a couple hundred miles a day down on like a vibrate road, even on road, like even on, yeah. uh, on pavement, you're still, um, it's, they're going to come loose. Um, and so like shout out to the $3, the $3 Harbor freight lashing. Yeah, dude, those are the way God to bless go. those, those things. Are the way to go. I, I took those on the Missoula trip and they, they held true the whole time. Um, that's my trick. And, uh, yeah. So the, the tie downs is a huge thing. I luckily cheaped down on my camping gear. The, first moto trip i had and i still do honestly but the uh um i lost my uh hammock the first night or the first day so i used it the first night i think and then um i lost my sleeping bag and a couple other things and that was mainly because i i had tied them on in a really idiotic way i'd like put them on the back side of my sissy bar on my yamaha and it was not a good idea um <laughs> they just blew off down the freeway and like that was all she wrote you know um, but the thing is is i guess always bring a backup something so like yes i <laughs> i brought a tarp just in case i needed to make like a lean to with my motorcycle with my you know with my, with my motorcycle and that came in handy because i still had my sleeping mat um and i wasn't you know shelterless in case it rained which was fantastic so that's good uh always have your like your backup um so like even even though i made some mistakes i had you know i was totally screwed thankfully um yeah, I think my, my biggest lesson is definitely, like, don't cheap out on your tie-downs. And I guess um, moving forward, I think I'm going to go for a more expensive bed mat because I'm getting tired of having to replace yes. the same $15 one each year. Because yeah. you buy them off Amazon and they last, like, they don't even last a season. <laughs> and they just start deflating and they're useless. So uh, definitely going to go for a, a more expensive sleeping mat here in the future. But, yeah, um, but yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely tie-downs. Um, and just making sure you have a, a backup like shelter situation just in case. Um, and Daniel, I think, you know, like I think that trip that we took to Ukiah and back that one year, that was kind of your first um, big outing. You know, like what what have been some big revelations for moto camping versus, um, you know, like we did that backpacking trip and you've gone obviously gone camping. Yeah, tons of times. I mean. What's been the kind of big differences? Like what it, I think. I don't know. What's the big takeaways? I think the big thing like. Um, and we've done some like small backpacking stuff where like, you know, we hike in a couple miles and stay the night or whatever. And like, um, I think the thing that I was super thankful that I did on my Karmazula trip, for example, was I, I, I packed down, like with, I had panniers at that time. So like I had some extra space on the sides and I brought a much smaller backpack because prior to that on the, um, where we did our big Eastern Oregon tour, uh, I, I just, I brought like a big like school backpack basically with like four different pockets and filled it to the brim with clothes and everything. And like, I had to have this thing. I had plenty of room to sit on the bike, but it's very cumbersome, very top heavy um, and kind of ridiculous. And had I not perfected or like done a better job of making uh, that situation a little more manageable, I think um, it would have been in pretty bad shape for our Missoula trip. Um, and just, yeah, I, like, and now moving forward with the panniers on board, I feel way more comfortable 
carrying a, a small like camelback backpack with my bladder bag and like clothes and stuff like that in it in addition to the painters and then maybe like my bedroll or whatever on the back yeah, um, yeah i think when it comes even multi-day day whatever like i wrote down in the notes you know like kiss like keep it simple stupid mm-hmm. i am a huge advocate the first few trips i went on uh camping overnighters and multi-day trips i would pack like tons and tons of stuff on and bring like oh i might need this i might need that i might need this and i just kind of learned to like know what could have multiple uses on you know my like my tool roll or what could have multiple uses and again shout out six dollar harbor freight tarp holy shit you can build a lean to with it you can put it down on the sand in baja so scorpions don't crawl on you you can like put it between two bikes robert i think we've done (laughs) that before like build a little overhead tent you know like stuff like that like i'd love to keep it simple and that packs down so small because you know I feel like if you pack, I get really frustrated. I don't know about you guys. I'd be curious to hear from you guys, but like I get really frustrated when I pack a bunch of stuff because I'm like, where the fuck is my mess kit? And I'm like digging through a bunch of stuff. I can't find it. You know, I don't know. Lars, you've been out on the road for a long time. So I'm wondering how your philosophy, if you've been doing the same thing that you've been doing since you started or if it's kind of changed over the six months that you've been there. Everything's changed. Well, and especially because I started riding last June. And so it's been 30,000 miles on the bike since June. Nice. Um, That's awesome. And so like, and like, and like I go slow, like I'll ride and then I'll stop somewhere for four months, but I'll be riding still. But it's like, it's like every single thing that you have needs to do two things. Yeah. Right. So like, like the oil that I carry with me, I can use it to oil my chain and I can use it to, to keep the bikes topped up or like, you know, like, I mean, like the torque wrench is nice. Like the torque wrench, you can use it to like get the tires from being, you can use it to like, you know, get the tire undone when it's really stuck, or you can use it to like wave at people if they're coming into your campsite and you want them to go away or like the tarp, you can use it as a ground cover for the tent, or you can use it for shade when you inevitably need it because the sun is like a presence Mm -hmm. I mean, I have to say, if I'm rolling up to a campground and I'm trying to rob someone and someone's shaking a, like, gigantic, like, torque wrench at me, like, hey, get the fuck out of here. I'm... I'm not gonna They've fuck got with like that person. Like a tarp in one hand and a torque. Yeah. I'm not gonna fuck with like, that person. Hey, that guy shorts a hard sucker out, right? You can hold yeah. Right. I think so on like, Daniel and I's. Yeah. I think on Daniel and I's first trip to Ukiah, we stop at a campground in Ukiah and we see like some people across the way, <laughs> yeah. and it's like pitch black. And I do the like, hey, like it's his first, first trip out, and I'm like, let's go party with these guys. They're gonna be awesome. It's gonna be awesome. And I like wave, and I'm like, hey, what's going on? Like, and one of the guys left, and the other guy's there by himself, and I'm like. Hey man, what's going on? Uh, good evening or whatever like that. And all I hear in the silence of the night is a racking of like a pistol. And I'm like, oh God. okay, cool. <laughs> right. We met them the next day and they were delightful. See you later. <laughs> Which we is- met them the next day. Yeah. Daniel. Yeah. We met them the next day at a cafe and they were really yeah. nice, but it was just like, hmm, okay. <laughs> Something you don't experience in Baja for sure. No yeah. There's no guns. guns at you. Yeah, <laughs> like 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 I think that the biggest thing that I noticed, the, the biggest difference between the U.S. and Baja is that this 
is that the road signs in rural areas don't have bullet holes in them. <laughs> That's the biggest difference. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. As as a rural as a rural denizen, I can't confirm yeah. there are lots of bullet holes. Like every sign. single sign. You're like, now I can't even read it. Is that what you guys were trying to do? Like, <laughs> That's how they stick to the man. Right? <laughs> All the oh sovereign God. citizens out there. <laughs> <laughs> I could do my YouTube right. wherever I want. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you, Lars. You know, you got to have two uses. It's just yeah. stuff like that, tarps, you know. And I just find, I mean, our whole ethos on the podcast here is like we really like doing things kind of the budget and cheap way. We yeah. we all don't have tons of money. We all buy clapped out bikes. And so, like, you know, I think when you think about moto camping, there's some surprisingly good deals. And I just wanted to quickly talk about, like, some of those crazy, like, good deals. I'll, I'll share kind of the first one that was a game changer the army mss system so it's the bivy the black bag and the green bag yeah. is like this army system you can buy them at a lot of i notice sometimes army surplus stores want a lot of money for yeah. them but even at their high price it's like a hundred dollars for a gore-tex bivy yeah not like a plain old like bullshit bivy like gore-tex bivy a solid warm bag that honestly i've used in baja i've used when i've used yeah. spring camping i haven't really taken it on to winter camping but it's pretty solid and the patrol bag is great i've done one year in baja just with the patrol bag and it was okay it wasn't the most co- comfortable it's like a lightweight bag but you get all that and a compression stuff sack i got my set for 60 bucks it's tight and frankly stuff all that shit in the in the compression sack buy yourself some three dollar harbor freight tie downs you're there like you figure out how to tie that to your seat that is moto camping you're set. like put a Put a jet boil yeah. or put put a put a yeah. little pocket rocket stove, a ten dollar pocket rocket they get at the same army surplus store. Throw it in your backpack. You know th- that would be my big hack is like don't wait for expensive gear. Go get MSS yeah. like the modular sleep system well, gear. And that's like the nice get thing that about that cheap stuff. It's kind of like you know you, you get to cheat a little bit in that sense in Baja because you don't have to worry about rain. So it's like all that's the true. extra stuff you have to think about in other parts of the U S and other parts of the world where you're thinking about like, how am I going to keep all my shit dry? It's just like, eh, I don't care. So like yeah. when we went, I had that bivy and I just put my, like my bag in it and I would just roll it up and do the roll and lash it down. Yep. And then it was like, cool. Don't have to worry about it. It's going to get dusty yep. either way, but at least it won't yeah. get wet. And it's um, a camo pattern. So it looks <laughs> fucking awesome, but yeah, it's it great too. Like, oh, no, like, damn. like in that same vein, like, um, like there's, all of the army surplus stores in the US are filled with like like the German military spent decades preparing for a war with the Soviet Union. So they have tons and tons and tons and tons of Gore-Tex Flecturn jackets yeah. and pants totally. that were no longer necessary in Afghanistan. So um, you can buy a Gore-Tex jacket for 30 bucks. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's this German camo pattern, which is sick. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And then you can like, you know, you can just, so you can like, so like you can just throw that over some MX gear and you're, you've got totally. a climb jacket basically. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I yeah. mean, totally. You don't you look know? like a dork. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You look cool as fuck. Yeah. Waste, yeah you style on a budget. Drugs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. What Lars, if you had another, I mean, the jacket's a great example, but have you had a, an example of something that you've used a lot in the past six months? It's been like, wow, this is an unbelievable good piece of gear that you'd recommend to people who might be listening. I think the best thing, I mean, it, it might be an obvious hack, but it was like, instead of buying a $500 top case, just get a $100 knockoff Pelican case from Amazon, drill some holes yes. in the back of that fucker, mm-hmm. like throw some rubber mounts on it and just mount it directly to your bike's 
You can even use zip ties if you need to. I mean, you can just mount it <laughs> yeah. directly to your bike's luggage rack. It locks right. up. It's fine. It doesn't look like much. It, it also looks a little bit like a gun yep. case. So if you're in the States, <laughs> people don't mess with you. Um, <laughs> like I have been stopped by the police in the States. They're like, do you have a gun? And you're like, nah, dude, this thing's like, literally there's like, there's like a bottle of whiskey and like some cigarettes <laughs> in here. Like, like, no, yeah, better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, um, that's a good thing. And then, and then you can, yeah. And then you can drill a rotopax under the top of it. And then you have an extra gallon that's of fuel awesome. too. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and then your whole, it's so $150 it on for that whole yeah, situation. Yeah. And then you're that's good. Awesome. And then you don't have to like deal with like, and then also like, you know, if the thing breaks, like whatever, who cares? It was a hundred dollars. Let me, let me flip it around a little bit, Lars, since you've had, I mean, a lot of us don't have a lot of experience doing months and months on the road. I go out moto camping, uh, during the season fairly regularly yeah. here in Oregon because uh, it's beautiful and there's amazing spots just right outside of town for me. But like what it, uh, on the other side of things, what's that one thing that like cost does not matter? Like I have to have this thing for moto camping. It is the best thing ever. I would spend much more than I paid for it. Um, my sleeping bag. Yeah. And also um, Gore-Tex boots and Gore-Tex moto pants yeah um it's good worth it's good every fucking penny yeah. I'm, am i allowed to swear yes. like i don't know yeah no, yeah you're sweet good. Yeah, uh, yeah yeah like 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 i <laughs> i um i got really lucky and so climb was having issues with a lot of their retailers earlier like kind of late last year so i managed to score a pair of badlands pants for like 300 bucks oh nice um nice. and so like those have been sick yeah, and um, I've said time and time again, uh, you know, for anyone that's listening, like spring is upon us. This is the closeout season. Typically, we get some crazy deals for closeout stuff. So if you if you kind of crawl around the websites, um, yeah. you'll find some like really really good deals on yeah. like closeout stuff. That's honestly the way to go. Yeah, and like and if you just kind of like hunt down, you can get things that maybe nobody else wants. Like it's yeah. the wrong season or like in certain things like that. It's like, cause like the climb gear is like stupidly expensive. It's very expensive. It's yeah. dumb. But, but like the people that buy it, buy it cause they think they need it for like one trip. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? And then, but like, and like, you're like, you're like, okay, great. Like it's overkill, but like it actually does do what it's designed to do. Right. Which totally. is like, like it's, you're, you're like, okay, I need like a, like I've, I wear like moto pants. I wear like moto jeans. Like I wear like boots or whatever. And like after 10 or 15,000 miles, all that stuff just starts falling apart. Mm-hmm. It just disintegrates. Like it's like the boots aren't waterproof anymore. Like everything's breaking. Like the pads aren't yeah. strong enough. Like it just starts falling apart. So like if you can find like a screaming deal on that stuff, which you can, if you like pay attention and you, and you like, you know, you're just kind of clever about it. Like, uh, yeah. you can get it and it actually is pretty nice to have. Like, especially when you're like, no, totally. especially if you're like, okay, great. Like now I've got to ride like six hours in the rain to get right. to like the next place I need to go. So you're like, it would be really nice to have like some Gore-Tex. Like it'd be nice to have like MX boots that have Gore-Tex, which right. are like the right. stupid $500 ADV boots. It's so dumb that they're that expensive. Yeah. But it's one of those things where you're like, okay, you're happy to have it when it's yeah, and I especially if you're I like th- living on the bike. Yeah, right. I think I've talked about it yeah. on the show, but I finally ponied up for Garnet 
SG10 boots. And yeah. I've always done the cheapest of the cheap, like close out helmets, close out gloves, close out whatever I can find, you know. And I finally ponied out for close out SG10s. Yeah. They were a colorway that no one wanted. And they are fucking awesome. They're like leather, it's gray, all the way through, yeah. <laughs> stitched yeah. soles, yeah. and it's it's like the first ride. I was like, God damn, these things are crazy uncomfortable. Yeah. But then it like ship it's shaped to my foot, and I was like, I can't even imagine riding without them now. It's like, damn, right. the, these are really solid boots. Yeah, but well, uh, and I think I the same yeah. with like oh, I was gonna say the same because you mentioned sleeping bags, and to me, it's like that's my yes. one area to like cost is kind of no option yeah and, and for me it's like coming from more like longer backpacking trips that carried over where it's like man if i'm riding especially on a bike when you're riding like i don't know if it's cold and you're riding like a 10 hour day and the end of that is like two hours just in the cold with your like hands like yeah frozen and you're just like shivering like fuck what am i doing with my life and it's like <laughs> man the best feeling ever is getting into like a warm right. sleeping bag yeah. that you it's know so is nice warm and you're just like oh my god i i would have paid any amount of money i would give anything right. for the sleeping bag right now so it's like the last thing you want to do is climb into a tiny wet like i don't know oh it bag. sucks especially yeah. it's, it was like it was like particularly brutal in like october november in fire season in california because you can't mm-hmm. light a fire yeah, mm-hmm. right. like, yeah you're like you're like i've been riding for six hours it's freezing like yeah. i'm cold and i would love nothing more than to light a fire right now but i will burn the forest down and be on the news <laughs> if i do Dang so, it. Like, so like it'll be like oh, uh, it'll be like yeah, mars was, was camping <laughs> And you decided to light a fire. (laughs) And let me let me just quickly divert really quick. Crucial moto camping topic. Is it moto camping without a fire? Like fire is barely. I get into this really. I don't. I don't mean to hey, wax. You can get on your header. All right. I <laughs> have tortillas on my header. It works fine. They yeah. make those. I don't mean to wax poetic to too much. Pipe. That's all you need. There you go. Truly. Yeah. No, we've done it straight on the header. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't mean to wax poetic too much, but like that is the most like amazing thing is to settle up with your friends or even by yourself. Yeah. I mean, I've done it plenty of times by myself. And just kind of sit there at the fire and think about the day. Like such an amazing experience. I think that is amplified by being on a bike because yeah. you're on that long days and you just get to sit and like think about it. If you're with people, it's great. You know, I've shared <clears throat> campfires in Agua Verde with a dude who made me like salt water brine chicken and we listened to the highwayman and like talked about our our respective journeys from all over the world to that place you know it's like it's a real the fire is is eternally a very cool thing uh and to kind of flip it i hear sleeping bags a lot i hear gore-tex i have to say though yes it's nice to have something going to bed at night but i'll tell you right here i have it oh yeah jet boil boil. holy shit yeah holy shit I don't know what it is about when you're with someone, it's like you suffer and you're okay. But as uh, all the people are here, maybe Lars, you don't know, but I'm, I'm like a ruthless, like caffeine addict. I drink like yeah. tons of coffee every day <laughs> and I had done so many trips without a jet boil, but I think that moto camping essential that like I would pay $500 for at this point is like be, and I paid like 40 bucks off someone's like back porch because I got it <laughs> off Facebook marketplace. Nice. But holy shit, the last Baja trip I did, whatever, like 12 days or something by myself, being able to wake up every morning and like make coffee and sit in the sand and like watch the sunrise or something. It's amazing. Like the jet boil is a game changer when you're like, I just want to make oatmeal now. It's like, you just screw the thing on. Yeah. Make the oatmeal. I'll freeze. I'll freeze all night. Wait, that's what I will freeze all night. That's one thing in the morning. That's one thing. 
super essential long term Baja travel thing, multi fuel stove. Yeah, truly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Something that runs truly. on gasoline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What do you What do you use for that? I'm kind of curious. I now. use an MSR Dragonfly. Oh, okay. oh, you're using yeah. the Dragonfly? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's a great system. Yeah. Like, yeah. I have a, I it's just for that, for that same reason. Because I had I had a pocket rocket, and you can't get those stupid mm-hmm. cans anywhere. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. But you can get gasoline. Yeah. Like, anywhere in the world that requires trade, you can get gasoline. Mm-hmm. Again, so, I, don't, I don't mean to, like, ruin – I'm not trying to give out secrets to my to our listeners, yeah. but – no one steal this idea from me. I'm going to open a shop in Mule when I get old just to sell isobutane. Dude, again. you <laughs> will make a killing. I will make yeah, right. so will make, much money. I would pay because it's that middle. I'd spot. pay like $40 you, for one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Because oh, yeah. you get to the middle of the peninsula and you're like, nothing. Fuck. I brought like two big ones. And you're like, I oh, like, I didn't think I You're like, these can't be that hard to get down in Mexico. They're everywhere. Right, right. right. Yeah. Because like, you can get them anywhere here. Right. Just like, oh, I'll just go to a gas station yeah. and pick one up. They practically sell eh. them in vending machines at national parks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to bring down like pallets. Like, I'm going to get a truck. Do it, dude. And just bring down pallets yeah. of isobutane. I'm yeah. Pay off the guards. I'm sure it's super illegal. I'm just going to cross <laughs> yeah, through Mexico. Yeah. And no one's going to look at me. And I'm just going to sneak them in and sell them. I'm going to open up. There's a guy in Mulhe, shout out Daniel, who sold me so much random bullshit over the years. Uh, master links to like pieces of chain to like nice. cables and shit. Uh, he's just north of Mulhe. He runs an awesome shop there. I'm going to try to go into business with him. And all I want to do is sell <laughs> isobutane butane and elote. Do it, man. And make like elotes for people. And then you're like, you want some isobutane too? And just sell them canisters I mean, out the back. You could just, you could just avoid the, you could just start like, you could just like steal a narco sub and just make an isobutane sub. <laughs> the sub, exactly. the sub could Bad even idea. run on isobutane. Let's let's talk, Lars. Let's like, talk in the future. Yeah. We could open up this ISO business. I think I think we just had a once in a generation idea. I think so. I think that's yeah. What's crazy is I don't think anyone will be selling isobutane in there like twenty years from now when I'm like, all right, I'm ready. You know, right? it's just that place never changes. I have books about Baja, and it's like, yep, that road's still there. Yep, it that won't. road's still dirt. But like, it's also like you can't even get multi fuel stoves anymore. Like no. they they stopped making them. Like like like. You, they don't make the dragonfly anymore. I had to, I had right. to borrow one from a bike camper. Like I, like, yeah. I, I literally like bought a dragonfly stove off of like a couple people that were like down here on a bike packing trip, and they were like leaving and they didn't need it anymore. And I was like, "Can I please have this? I'll give you anything you want." <laughs> like. And, and we're gonna support the local economy by getting yeah. like welders down there to just make us like gas stoves yeah sell them out of our store exactly. sell isobutane yeah learn how to frack frack down fracking don't do that whoever's listening Dude, we're gonna be, oil we're gonna tycoon, be vertically integrated right like yeah, yeah exactly we're interested in opening up the cabo pulmo national park to lng development like yeah oh no oh, the no. sea turtles the sea turtles well lars i'm gonna hit you up because we're gonna do this i want to do tours do it, my, my grand plan my grand plan of retiring is to do tours i don't even know if i want to charge money for them i just want to like just take all my friends and tour all the time, yeah. but I'm going to sell isobutane. I'm going to take them out on the tour and in the middle of the tour be like, ah, it'd be really great if you could have some coffee right now. How about some isobutane? <laughs> Let me hook you up. 
<laughs> Daniel, what's that one thing right? that you've learned from moto camping, either, you know, wherever? What's that one thing that you can't live without that you've been like, I have to have this thing? Are you talking to me? What do you think? Yeah. Oh, big deal. Um, the one thing I can't live without. Um, what's been the one thing since you've been on trips that's been like, fuck, I can't even imagine. How about your wrist? Yeah, I need that to ride. Yeah, that's actually signs. You know, yeah. you know, he needs signs. He needs signs on trails that say. Hold on, I have to say. I have to say, <laughs> I have to say uh, because Lars wasn't there, Daniel broke his wrist as we as we explained, and you ended up breaking it what in like three. You have three fractures. Oh, dude, no! Oh, it's Jesus. like there's like it's being held together with my, screws. The, the end of my radius is in pieces. Like it was in like six yeah. different pieces. And we've seen this, the X-ray. Yeah, it's, it's not, not pretty. And and I will. He still rode up the hill, pulling the clutch in on his XR 650L. Yeah, yes. using his like whole him. body weight to pull the clutch in. So that's my. You can't really. Oh Jesus! <laughs> there's a bunch of breaks in there. Um, yeah. The one thing I can't live without, man. I. I gotta say, I think it's, you know what it is, and it's, I think having some sort of, like, alternative fuel source for fires is really important, especially if you're, especially if you're with Jordan, because that man <laughs> will sit there oh and he'll, he'll try to make a fire for, like, 40 minutes. Oh, my God. Every time One you try time. to come Jordan, you have to, put, you have to have more air, and he just yells at you. And then find, you, know, you do is you just power through it by, like, throwing a seafoam on it or something. Um, Daniel, I was building up a coal layer. I was building up a coal layer to make a good smoking fire. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but, yeah, have it, I don't know. Like, uh, it, sounds, it sounds silly, but I think, uh, uh, all jokes aside, I do think that, like, some sort of um, like uh, liquid kindling is a really good idea, um, yeah. especially because you never know when you're going to run into uh, like a, you know on the coast range or something like that, where you run into some like really really wet uh, like wood that you have to deal with or something, mm-hmm. and you got to power through mm-hmm. with some like something else, you know. Well, it's like um, it's like it's kind of a good hack, but save. Save dryer lint. I have dryer lint I started in my house, that. and I keep it in a gigantic freezer bag, oh. like a huge freezer bag. And I just keep it every time I have lint, I just toss mm-hmm. it in the bag. And then I just take a handful and I c- compress it down and I stick it in like whatever, a little baggie, and yeah. take it with me now. That's and that's idea. like my favorite fuel because it just yeah. boom lights up super quick. Well, it's like the creature comfort stuff, right? Where it's like all the things that you kind of want at the end of being mm-hmm. cold and mm-hmm. like tired. Riding all day, yeah. it's like, oh, a fire in a sleeping bag sounds really nice. Yep. Totally, Danny. You got anything to add? Like, what's what's a piece of gear? I know you haven't done so much moto camping, you know, or or maybe yeah, you have. Not really. camping there, we we had one planned, but then uh, it was set to rain that weekend, so it got canceled. But now that oh, things are opening dang. back up again, it will probably be in the future. Um, but Let's do it, do it. So something. So we had everything packed this weekend for like cooking and like we had food and i forgot mm-hmm. a fucking lighter and we're like out in the middle of nowhere like blm land <laughs> oh, joshua shit. tree like i probably could have walked over to someone else's camp but it was already like dark by the time i realized it and it's just like uh... can i share can i share another hack that's yeah. totally too late Put a little bit of gas on your fire. Take your uh, spark plug out of your boot. Plug it into the boot and kick Holy the moped fuck. over, and it'll produce spark yep. at the boot, and That's then it'll really it'll cause it to light. Just Holy. make sure you don't I've, light the I've wire on fire. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that yeah, yeah you don't want that. That's what you want. Yeah, yeah. Holy <laughs> shit! Right? But 
it'll take a it'll take a few times but i have done it now granted yeah. i did it with an electric starter so it's not as hard as like pedaling it that's fine i mean i'll create enough but, spark if you just if you pull yeah. in the clutch and just kick it over it creates sparks so like yeah, yeah. totally it do, do it with yeah. a little extra kindling mm. and gas have it totally built like the fire built and ready to Damn. go and do it it'll yeah we totally, did not think of that totally. um but yeah just like having sorry having Call like a, yeah, <laughs> a flint or something else to just like keep in our camping bag yeah, like magnesium yeah. stick or something because yeah. yeah like flint kind of sucks i don't know if you guys have ever it does suck they got these things called matches <laughs> real nice <laughs> <The new? laughs> i don't even need a fancy yeah you can lighter. just like what just are get these some matches there's nothing like yeah keeping, i uh, keeping those under your seat in a plastic bag <laughs> yeah just for yeah I baggy with i've got like, like one little match I've got, thing just i've got like a bag with kn95 masks and matches that i keep yeah. under my seat yeah nor- normally nice. i keep a lighter in for the truck but I, I had taken yeah. it out so i could light my yeah. my propane torch to to rebuild that engine so you know i don't know where nice. it started but i always put a lighter in my mm. patch kit i don't know why because it doesn't really make That's a lot smart. of sense but there's always a lighter yeah. in my patch kit there's always a lighter in my first aid kit, and then I try to have one in my backpack too. Because, man, I'll tell you what: if you have three, there's a good chance. To <laughs> so that's you've got one. What yeah. happens to me? <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah. I definitely. It's like you always, up. you always have everything you need except for the one thing you actually yep. need. Yeah, exactly. Right. 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 But next right. time, I'm telling you, take yeah. just take God the plug damn, out, put it in the genius. boot, crank yeah. it that's, however you I can. Mean, that kind of gets it because that's for me. Like for me, one of the really important things are things I've picked up, and again, this probably is a carryover from backpacking. Um, which isn't like a physical thing, but it's having, having like a system for how you mm. pack. Yes. I don't know how to explain it, but basically like, like on a bike. So on, yeah. on my bike, when we were like camping in Baja, I have the Wolfman, like little smaller pannier bags. And I would have, I keep the same shit in the right one, the same stuff in the left one. I knew what was in which one. Yeah. I had the same way of like taking them off and putting them back on the bike and clipping my like bedroll and my whatever. And what I kept in my camel bag and like, Little things like that where it's just like you can you can do all the planning in the world beforehand and you're not going to be able to plan for everything, right? Yeah. And then you're going to make all the changes when you're actually there. But like having that system of like, I know that my lighter lives in this bag in this side of this pannier yeah. or whatever, things like that where you always keep it in that spot because then it's going to like you internalize that and then it gets really easy when it's not there to like open it, look and be like, oh, something's missing. Yeah. Like something's weird. Something's off. And then it also like, I don't know, again, for me, it's like the end of the day and beginning of the day are the two times when I really want to like not have to th- yep. think too much. And yes. so being able to just like yeah. grab stuff, put it on, you strap it down, you, you've already like internalized that everything's there and you're good to go. You don't have that like you're riding away two hours later like, oh shit, did I forget that thing yeah. on the bed? Mm-hmm. Like, because you know that like, nope, I have the yeah. system, I did the thing. Well, and Robert, I kind of kind of took the cue from you and that's been my standard strategy is like panniers. And they have two little straps that go across the seat. Mm-hmm. Under those two straps, I put my lashing strap, put the mm-hmm. bedroll in it. And then that way it's like, oh, we're going to a hotel tonight. Clip, clip, two yeah. pannier straps, boom, throw it on my shoulder. And then like, oh, we're going to sleep here tonight. Clip, clip, just yeah. throw the bedding on the ground to the point where I could be blasted. And I have been <laughs> yeah. blasted. And I can just whip that bivy out and I can, you know, yeah. I can just uh, do that. And I think like we're going to have to talk. We're going to have to have another whole show about moto camping because I think there's so sure. much great stuff. But, you know, yeah, that, keep it simple, stupid. That's yeah. my absolute bottom line yeah. thing is I love it when it's simple. I love when it's easy. Robert, that was a great hack that I still use today. I think it's a really great one. Yeah. Um, well, that's something else also, I do. 
Oh yeah. I always keep my passport somewhere where I can feel mm. it. Yeah. Like yeah. so that yeah. so that jacket so that pocket. whenever I'm leaving a spot, I can touch mm-hmm. either a spot. There's a pocket inside my jacket, and I can touch it, and I can feel it's there, or I keep it in my pocket on my in my moto pants and i can touch it and feel that it's there so like whenever i'm leaving a gas station or like anywhere where i'm stopping and unpacking or anything as i'm walking away i can like tap and feel if i have my passport you don't want to lose that yeah yeah i have a writing writing jacket with like the you know the inner chest pocket yeah and that velcro and it was the same thing and it's so like it's so like comforting even in the middle of a ride you're in the middle of you're like on the bike and you can just like oh thank god okay you're like oh it's there thank god yeah (laughs) i do front yeah i do front left jacket pocket uh, for wallet and stuff like that i think how many times i i like i'll like be i'll like leave my house and i'll be riding down the road and i like reach back and i double check my pocket like the mic is it there is it there is it there never been an issue yeah i always also if you have a buddy like i do it with daniel and he's probably maybe a little confused by it or he's figured it out by now but i'm always like check my pack like i point back you know check my pack and and robert has a great system where he'll like tap it i know that it's ready to go nice be a buddy you know if you're with someone let them know that they're ready to go and i guess the last bit i'll say too is dry run it dry run it before do it in your front yard look like a doofus like putting all Mm -hmm. your stuff on your bike and loading it out it's seriously or do like an overnighter first just make sure that all that stuff works it will make a huge difference or be really really patient because stuff's gonna get fucked up (laughs) and just be patient you know maybe both learning how to set up your tent ahead of time yes and running through it once so that when you're doing it like in the middle of the night you're not like oh fuck what do i do what do i clip to what and like yeah yeah oh that was me with the newest iteration of the 20 dollar walmart backpacking tent yeah shout out 20 dollar backpacking walmart oh, Zark tent. Trail. thank you so much for getting me. <laughs> thank you so much for getting me through so much shit <laughs> And I have to say, yeah. backpacking, twenty dollar backpacking, uh, yeah, uh, Walmart, yeah, thing is just fucking awesome. Way but to go. anyways, yeah, these are all great tips. Like I said, we're gonna definitely have to have another episode on moto camping. But really quick to close it out, what's the most like? What's that spot where you're like, damn, this is awesome? Like the one camping spot that you were just like this is it this is i mean i don't know i maybe it's just me but like it's one of my favorite things to do i love backpacking i love dirt biking putting it put the two together and it's just like me making you know scrambled eggs and coffee over a fire is just i don't know it just it makes me emotional just talking about it so where's that one spot though lars i i think while you is has it been down there has it been somewhere else like what's one place you can think of that was like my this is awesome absolute favorite camping spot in the world is um so it's in the Mojave Desert. So as you're coming out of Barstow, um, you kind of go down and you enter the Mojave from the south end and you go up. And there's a, there's a little turnoff to the Granite Peak National like Wildlife Preserve. And if you get there after dark, you can't find the spot because there's, like, it, it, there's like a lot of different camping spots. But you can find the spot if you shut your lights off. The stars are so bright that you can see the outline of a rock in the stars. That's awesome. And you can mm-hmm. go up there and there's these two big granite boulder things that are sticking out of the ground and you can pitch a tent up right there and it's shady and protected. And you can post up there for like a week or two. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And just explore all of Mojave in complete privacy and with total protection from the weather. Uh, it's it's really, really nice. That's one of my favorite places. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Robert, you got you got a spot that's near and dear. 
Moto can't. I mean, on a motorcycle, it was. I think um, Agua Verde is like was just really. I mean, the experience of getting there too, yeah. but it's just such a. I don't know. It's one of those spaces, one of those places, and there's so many in like Baja specifically, and and really like everywhere. And I've talked at length before on the podcast about. I'm a huge fan of 395 and the Eastern Sierras in California, but yeah. Um, it's just like Agua Verde is one of those places that if it was like anywhere else, it would be blown out and just like the most like destroyed tourist spots ever. And because there's no one there, it's such a cool thing to like wake up in the morning and like be in that little bay, like where those kids were like throwing stuff and where the all the shells are like washed up. And you're just like sitting and like, fuck, there's no one here. Yeah. Like there's no and it's like the cool. I don't know, like fishermen coming in, but it's just like. I hate to like be too like white savory about it, but it's it's so just like it just is there and it's not like ruined. So, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a cool spot. It's a magical spot for sure. Thanks for stealing my spot. I did. Danny, yes, what welcome. You? I knew. You made the mistake of asking me first. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I, I think I got another one. Danny, what do you think? I mean, you haven't really set out on any. You should come with me more often. I burn things. <laughs> yeah, I, you're, you're really I, selling it there, Jordan. I, start fires with spark yeah, plugs but it's always fun it's always i've never a had time. a bad time with jordan i have yeah. been angry at him quite a few times <laughs> <laughs> every time i walk away with has, it i'm like okay that was yeah he has been pretty but angry in the moment i've definitely yeah been like fuck you jordan but i've seen some hard daniel stares like i think i'm gonna oh die God, yeah. <laughs> daniel's really big so i'm like oh shit this guy's gonna kill me mm-hmm. i really pushed him oh time. my god i pushed him too far danny yeah. though what, like what are you thinking that's tough you're going to buy that DT and then you're going to go <laughs> moto camping. Where are you going to go first? <laughs> Hint, it should be Borrego Springs. Just you know. yes, yeah. Yes. Um, we, we've, yeah we've, we've done a good camping trip down just like in like Baja, like Ensenada, like just getting to like, we found one campsite that was kind of in the middle um, from Rosarito and Ensenada. And it was just like middle of nowhere, like mountainside like but it's like beachfront so it was there's nothing there there's like a table and kind of a covering um but it was just like getting to wake up and just like chilling in the morning drinking coffee and like just saw dolphins swimming out in the ocean it was probably one of the most memorable campsites we've been to yeah it was it was gorgeous we we eventually moved to like a better campsite but for like a first campsite down there is great yeah there's yeah. a lot of really cool stuff even on the pacific side you know all yeah. over daniel what's that one spot for you that was like fuck this is awesome i think it has to probably be the 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 time i mean i guess the like moment i realized that like um moto camping was like the thing i wanted to do um was the uh that spot off the forest service road near uh ukiah that we camped um yeah. Yeah, just south of Ukiah, Oregon. Yeah, yeah, it's Out a really that little dispersed, off 395. Like, it has a has a sh- like a little shitter house, um, and that's like the only yeah. developed piece of that entire um, spot. And then I didn't have a, um, uh, I didn't have my hammock for that part, and so I, you know, I pitched the tent or I pitched my lean to against my bike on the ground, and um, we listened to the cows moo literally all night. It sounded like they were being murdered. Um, but despite that, it was like this really beautiful, like sunset that just like was, and it was so killer right next oh, to this beautiful meadow. Um, and it just, yeah, it was great. And I think like, that's the spot I always 
come back to when I realize like I mean I guess that 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 Eastern Order trip is always going to be like the pinnacle for me I think because it was just it was the most overwhelming like experience I've had as far as like the wonder of motorcycling you know um, just everything being so new to me everything just felt so like now you know it's like ah oh, you know I've been at some pretty crazy stuff now but um, that was definitely like the start of it all. So, um, which actually, funny yeah. enough, today is the two-year anniversary of me starting oh. to ride. So, Ooh, there you go. Nice. Yeah. Whoa, nice. yeah. Exciting yeah. times. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, that that area. I since moving here out last August, I'm looking at my map above my tool bench is like all the Eastern Oregon forest roads, like regular roads, and it's just a spider web of like. I can, I've been down most of these roads that are on this map up here. Uh, and it's just like every single road I'm looking at right now on this map leads to an amazing place to camp. So it's been an amazing experience living, finally living out here in Eastern Oregon. And it's so remote and desolate. It's truly one of those places in the United States that reminds me a lot of Baja in a really unique, um, way. It's not, it's not the same by any means. It's very different. But as far as the remoteness goes and the distance between towns and things like that, it reminds me a lot of Baja. And I think that's probably why I've been really happy living here. But, um, you know, I, I think like if I'm if I'm thinking of that kind of last few minutes or, or uh, excuse me, if I think of those last few spots, that one spot maybe that was really, really cool to me was uh, 244 at the top of uh, 244 Pass in Western Oregon. You get up to uh, this really awesome engineer corps place uh that is like it was built by the army corps engineer i'm skipping on the names right now it's it's like escaping me but it's in between um highway 126 and it connects to sisters the southern route okay. help me out here daniel oh, what's that name of the pass 242 but what's the top what's the top of it named the lookout oh d right totally spacing d right observatory yeah. there's a oh, yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. lake under yeah. d right called lava lake and that was one of those places i did my first like dry run um of like all right let's see how this camping thing works and i took all my stuff up there and i just sat under the stars drank a beer watched the stars all night. you're like like six thousand feet and it's just an amazing place north sister behind you mount jefferson in front of you and it's just such a beautiful place to to pitch a tent and really enjoy all the really great parts of moto camping so I think we're going to skip ahead uh, forward pass. Usually we do Lars, a clapped out pick of the week, but we're already a little beyond our normal time. Yeah. Thank you, everyone who's sorry. listened so far. And I think, no, no it's good. good. It's I mean, yeah. Lars, it was so awesome having you on. I feel like. Thanks for uh, having me. I, I want to. Yeah, I want to hear back, uh, you know, when you're later on through the trip, when you get through mainland and stuff uh, and down into Central America. I've never been to, you know, over the border to Guatemala and stuff. So I, I can't wait to hear about it. We'll definitely have to get you back on. Yeah, I'm I'm stoked for that. Like, it's gonna be. I think this whole this whole trip's just gonna kind of be. It's gonna be a couple of years. That's awesome. Nice. So so uh, we'll see if I can pull it off. I mean, like I've been I've been able to to work from the road so far. Nice. So yeah. that's kind of what I'm doing here. Is I just am able to sort of. I'm just kind of banking and saving money and just getting ready to like take a big big ass plunge, and we'll yeah. just kind of see yeah. where I end up after. But like, you know, I'll tell, yeah. you, I'll tell you what, I'll you got to end touch. up right here in, yeah, you got to yeah. end up right here in the garage in Northeast Oregon. Come back. <laughs> We're going to plan this ice sick, and butane business. We'll do it. We got, okay. Yeah. Baja. We're starting it, dude. We're going to be the ice <laughs> yeah, and butane I'm king. I'm so down. 
they'll, they'll call it an ISO bro tape. Yeah, <laughs> right. it's gonna be hot. <laughs> It'll start I'm with you like, guys invest now. <laughs> get some futures, man. We're about to have a billion dollar valuation. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Everybody, get ready for the Series A. Yeah, man, I just got I got all the way to Mulahan. I checked my my compartment. I realized I didn't have any isobutane. And here are these two assholes in the desert, and they're like, "Yeah, we'll sell you isobutane for twenty bucks." What else was I gonna do? I had to buy it. There's nothing for else bucks. you could do, right? It's like the isobutane is more expensive else. than the stupid isobutane stove. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> you're like, okay, great. Well, this thing's useless now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lars, it was awesome having you on. Thank you so much for sharing our, our first uh, Baja report. I've definitely talked about Baja a few times awesome, on the show yeah. before. And we've we've talked about having a dedicated episode. We might have to get back to you in a in a few episodes and for sure, find man. that out to you. But uh thank you so much for like sharing all those stories and about your moto camping setup. We really appreciate that. It was really awesome. For sure, yeah. Thank you guys for having me and for sharing your your knowledge as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Safe travels, I appreciate man. it. Yeah. Thank yeah, you, man. Seriously. You guys so too. we'll close out the sh- we'll close out the show here. Thank you know thanks again everyone for listening in. We gotten a bunch of love from all our friends. You guys have been dropping us messages and things like that. Again, if you want to get a hold of us, you can hit us up on the Instagram. It's at clappedoutpod. You can also send us an email at clappedmoto at gmail.com. And of course, if you would like to buy us a coffee, it's buymeacoffee.com forward slash clappedoutmoto. Again, if we reach that $1,000 mark, we will buy a Coleman mini bike. We will put a Predator V-Twin from Harbor Freight in it, and we will jump over a big-ass fire. This is a guarantee, we promise you, from the Clapped Out family. <laughs> so again, thanks for tuning in and listening. God, that and sounds awesome. It. <laughs> it will be awesome. <laughs> and in the four years it takes us to get to the $1,000, you'll be back and you can jump it with us. So <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening in with us. And we'll catch you next Later. week. Bye. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye. Sure, mine's All working. Right. Mine's good. Yep. Everyone else good? Mm-hmm. All good. Cool. All right.